Taste Buds Diet Coke is shaking things up. You've been hearing us talk about these great new flavors. They have a bold new look, four new delicious flavors. Of course, the OG Diet Coke is still out there with the same great taste. But now, for your summertime enjoyment, they have added feisty cherry, twisted mango, zesty blood orange, and ginger lime. These flavors are so bold you won't be able to pick a favorite. I am drinking right now, my friends, the ginger lime, and I am pairing it with a with a house favorite. I have a, a particular chicken sandwich that I like. Yes, it's a little bit fried. Yes, it might have some pickles. Ginger lime, Diet Coke, and a beautiful chicken sandwich. I can't recommend it enough. Whether you are a longtime fan or just want to try something new, give Diet Coke a taste. You'll see what I'm talking about. Diet Coke, because I can Culinary Comrades, today's House of Carbs, also brought to you by The Ringer on TheRinger.com right now. This is something that's going to take up really the rest of your summer. This this column is incredible. It's, it's a multimedia experience. The 100 best TV episodes of the century by The Ringer staff. Now, I just wanted to be on the record. Nobody asked me. I would have as my number one, A number one, right there, top of the list, Pine Barrens, that old, famous, famous, infamous episode of The Sopranos, but nobody asked me. It's incredible. You're going to get into it. You, I, I highly recommend go in, read a, two or three, watch a few clips, and then get back out. You can enjoy this for the rest of August. Uh, also, on the Ringer Podcast Network, a brand new episode of The Shack House, which is a, a golf podcast that I happen to co-host with my pal Jeff Shackelford. We're talking about the PGA Championship and this week's uh, WGC event at Firestone, the last one ever. Shaq thinks Tiger's going to win. I don't have any reason to argue with him. Check both of those things out. And now to the House of Carbs. All right, all right, all right. My taste buds, my hungry culinary comrades we have done it we're back yet another summer edition of house oh it's a food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people part of the rigor podcast network i am your hungry host joe house great guest this week we tapped our inside resource the resident ringer food correspondent Danny Chow was kind enough to join us. We talked about his upcoming Chow Down columns and how they're going to be appearing with an increased frequency. And we spent some time talking about Jonathan Gold's passing the uh, famous food critic from Los Angeles and what Jonathan meant to Danny. Of course, we have the food news this week, but let's get into that belly first with our good pal, Danny Chow. All right, my taste buds, I am very pleased to have as a guest today a guy that has been on before, our resident roving food correspondent at The Ringer, Danny Chow. Danny, how are you? I'm doing swell. This is, it's an honor as always. 
Come on, come on. <laughs> I took note of the fact I was thrilled to see on the Twitter over the last handful of weeks that you will be doing on a more regular uh, basis with an increased frequency um, contributions via the chow down column. Um, yep, yep. So it, this is something that's been long gestating. Uh, Bill has wanted this for months now. Uh, it's just, you know, the NBA season was quite long and I didn't want to shirk my duties on that end. So now that, you know, we've kind of hit this lull, uh, I will be writing a lot more about food and kind of exploring, you know, culture and exploring, you know, stuff that I really liked eating uh, over the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. And I'm excited to have it out there for, you know, the, the hungry homies. Yeah. So how often are you do you expect to be um, putting out the, the chow down? I think the plan is for it to be biweekly. So maybe once every two weeks. Maybe more frequently than that, maybe not, but we'll try to keep it on a biweekly schedule for now. Yes, great. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah, I mean, during the NBA season, you got to eat. Yeah, I know that you do eat. Oh, I I eat a lot. It's definitely a a way to kind of, you know, rest my mind and and get it away from, you know, PER and, and net rating and... (laughs) <laughs> Whether or not Giannis is good enough to carry a team, you know. What did you see his muscles? I oh, mean, yeah. it looks like he's 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 been lifting this off season, getting ready to carry the, all of them, like literally carry them. Yeah, I'm absolutely ready for that. <laughs> well, look, I I, uh, I I particularly, in addition to just you know wanting to um, reconnect because of the increased frequency uh, of chow down i especially enjoyed your column uh an endless pursuit of perfect flavor and i liked you know sort of the shout out to a couple re- la restaurants um and how that sort of uh tied the uh narrative together and in the intervening time between wanting to reach out and say hey come on let's talk about this let's talk about what your plans are with the column um the uh, incomparable Los Angeles food critic, Jonathan Gold, uh, unexpectedly, at least to, to all but his family, passed away. Right. Um, and you wrote an incredible tribute to him. Um, and so I thought in, in the first place, um, I, I just want to talk through your, your tribute to, to Jonathan Gold because you shared a very personal kind of experience with him as a, as a native uh, Angelino um, and you know, I, I, it was, uh, touching, but also you made sense of Los Angeles in a way that, that gold made sense of Los Angeles, that I, it, Los and Angeles it, is very inscrutable. So right. I, I just wanted and to talk to you about it, it's, that. It's really, yeah. And, and kind of describing what a, tr- the true Los Angeles experience is, is one of the most difficult things because you have this very, you know, glitzy Hollywood narrative that has existed for decades and decades. And people, you know, see it as this very, you know, superficial place where, you know, if you're not, you know, an A-list movie star, you're, you're basically nothing. But there is so much to Los Angeles. And what Jonathan Gold was able to do was kind of connect those stray pieces of, 
LA's fabric and and bring it all together into you know something that resembled you know a, a you know continuity in in a very large city um and for my review I I was actually I'm actually kind of afraid I let him down a little bit because for really? for one for one I right when the news um had gone and out I was making plans with friends to go eat at a Chinese restaurant, uh, you know, get some dumplings, converse with friends, something that, you know, Jonathan Gold has been telling pretty much everyone to do for the past three, four decades of his life. And it, it, it was weird. I had to like kind of call that off and mull over Jonathan Gold's legacy and him being a guy who didn't really want the, you know, the eyes of the city on him, it must've been kind of weird. Like, oh, I'm gonna shirk, you know, my duties as an Angelino and eating all this amazing food in order to think about this one man. Um, but on the, uh, on the other hand, in the second way, uh, I might've let him down was, I filed that piece to my editor, Sean Fennessy, um, 100% on time. And Jonathan Gold is like, notoriously known as the biggest procrastinator. <laughs> he drove all of his editors insane. And here I was honoring his legacy by filing it completely on time, being completely punctual. I don't know. I, I, I feel like a part of me let him down. No, well the, on the timing part, it was right on time. Um, I was shocked by um, how complete it was. It made me suspicious about whether or not you knew that he was sick. It was so thorough um, and well-conceived and, and the, the connective tissue that you describe in terms of Gold's impact on um, making sense out of Los Angeles. I just thought you did a beautiful job of that. Um, so I, I will tell you, I didn't. I thought maybe you had an insider scoop that you knew that he was sick. No, uh, I, because it, it came out fully conceived and, and totally comprehensive. Um, yeah, so I'm I, not letting you. I, I was completely blindsided by it. Uh, I, I actually got a text from uh, one of our coworkers, Allison Herman. It was just a very simple text: Jonathan Gold died. And my world just kind of spun out of orbit. I, I just couldn't process it for a really long time. And yeah, it, it, was, it was really hard because this guy has been such an influential part in the way that I view the city's food culture. I view my own culture um, as a Vietnamese American. It's, 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 it was like really hard to imagine LA not having his voice. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the only voice that ever made any sense at, at, to me as an East Coaster, as a guy from a city with, you know, um, during the day, maybe 3 million folks, but at, at, at night, like 800,000 people or so. There are neighborhoods and you can drive around to them and you understand, you know, Washington, D.C. is very multicultural and international and uh, diverse. Um, but it, it it it's it doesn't rival anywhere the scale of Los Angeles and Los Angeles has always confounded me. It's felt it always feels to me like driving to a gigantic circus that right. has twenty five rings in it, and none of the rings necessarily you know they might touch each other, but they don't overlap and they're different sizes. And I never really understood you know the the sort of sense of Los Angeles other than. Uh, the common theme of rooting for the the dastardly Lakers, um, 
And, and, uh, you know, John, I, I had the great pleasure of subscribing to Lucky Peach, the magazine founded by David Chang and Peter Meehan and that, right. uh, uh, Jonathan Gold was a pretty frequent contributor to. And I, it just, you know, it was for me reading about Los Angeles cuisine and le- reading about sort of the diversity there, um, in, in the, in the hyper, um, you know, micro palettes that are available in, in, in Los Angeles. It's like a, you know, traveling the world kind of experience. And we barely scratched the surface, um, in some of the, the visits that I've made. Um, I, I finally got to, to the San Gabriel Valley, right. uh, last, um, fall. And I also made it down to the downtown LA market, the DTLA, what's that called? The Grand Central Market. Yeah. Grand Central Market, and he was there when when we were there. I went to Egg Slut and had you know some of that um, great food by uh, Alan Kailan. Kailan. Yeah, yeah, and and Jonathan Gold was was there um, at a Filipino food yep, stall. The sorry, sorry store. And I thought of, I thought about introducing myself and just just to let him know how much I appreciated you know what he was doing, um, and and I didn't end up doing it. Because I thought, oh, it would be better at some point to introduce myself in the context of, you know, let, let, hopefully he would be agreeable to coming on the show. And I just love to hear about, his, you know, Los Angeles through his brain and through his mouth. And, you know, now it's a missed opportunity. Right. Yeah, I, I actually had a similar uh, experience with him. I was at an L.A. Times food event, which they throw every year. Uh, this particular one involved a bunch of the best Sichuan chefs in LA coming together to kind of basically give a full tasting menu of the, the, the scope of Sichuan food, how it's more than just, you know, fiery mouth numbing cuisine. And Jonathan Gold happened to be sitting a table away from me uh, with KCRW's Evan Kleiman. And I just, I saw him and I nodded I, I never introduced myself. Uh, it, it was one of those things where it was like, you know, you don't want to meet your heroes slash he's bombarded by everyone. He's one of the most recognizable characters in L.A. I know he right. gets it a lot. I didn't want to burden him on a Saturday when, you know, he probably just wanted to have a nice meal with some friends, you know. So, yeah, that'll always be something that I think about. And I, I've talked to people who had, seen him, you know, only weeks ago eating at restaurants, him looking fine. And that that's just how scary pancreatic cancer can be. It, it just, it took him so, so quickly. They, they had only diagnosed it about three months or three weeks before um, he succumbed to it. So... Yeah, it's 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 devastating and it sucks, and I look forward to eradicating it during our lifetime. Um, one of the things that jumped out at me, and I just want to um, compare notes with you on, on this last sort of aspect of your of your beautiful memorial to him, um, was how he seemed to inspire you uh, and your you know friends early in in your formative years to jump in the car and go do stuff. Right. That you had because of his writing, you know, uh, a uh, um, an introduction to uh, things that you might not have other known about or w- been interested in trying. And I was especially um, 
compelled by your uh, story on on Bloodsos, Bloodsos. How do you Blood, say? It? Yeah, Bloodsos Barbecue, which uh, was a just very small barbecue shack in Compton, California. Um, right now, it's closed, but I believe there are still plans to reopen it. They have a second location in La Brea. Uh, but yeah, I just, it was one of those things where I had lived in LA all my life. I'd never had really good barbecue. And here was the best food critic in America being like, this is the best barbecue you're liable to find anywhere around here. And my friends and I just could not get in the car fast enough. Um, and the, you know, once we yeah. got and there. And how old were you then? I was, I believe, a senior in high school. It, it was it okay. was still pretty early on. Like, obviously, I'd liked food quite a bit. But, you know, when you're in those high school years, there's not that much travel you can do. The, the world is still this very vast kind of vague, amorphous blob. And you, you kind of need direction in terms of how to navigate it. Um, and Jonathan Gold was always there to be, you know, a kind of clarification, a, a, a guiding light in that sense. Right, right. The true belly of, of Los Angeles, um, never, never to be matched or, or replicated. I do want to pick your brain for a second because we have lost in the last, you know, four months, t- two of our most important um, kind of cultural food ambassadors, ambassadors yeah. attaches between Bourdain and, and Jonathan Gold. And, and you know, curiously enough, two white guys uh, in their late 50s, early 60s. Um, who, have you, has anybody sort of caught your eye? I, I've been, you know, uh, greatly um, inspired by the new entrance into this um, sort of food exploration theme. And late, lately, you know, not not um, anything from past days, uh, but, you know, folks like our, our mutual pal, David Chang. Right. Um, uh, w- with his uh, series on Netflix. And then this Marcus Samuelson series uh, that's also, I think, on Netflix. It's, oh, no, it's yeah, on, it's on, on PBS. Um, PBS. Uh, it's also in partnership with Eater. Um, yeah, both of those shows are great, and it's a great way to kind of introduce a lot of cultures that maybe aren't familiar to, you know, the average American. Is there anybody else, anything else that you're watching in that realm um, that that's caught your attention? Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Tejal Rao, uh, who is a writer at New York Times. She finds very very interesting stories. Um, whether it's her own personal kind of reflections on um, her childhood or it's finding, you know, some really important chefs doing really important stuff. She is a fantastic storyteller and a a must read whenever she publishes pretty much anything. So um, if, if you're looking for that type of storytelling, that type of, you know, food, you know, culture through the lens of food. I I really really love uh, what she does at the New York Times. That's great. Um, thank you for that recommendation. I'm uh, looking it up immediately as soon as we hang up. Um, I wanted to uh, make sure that we chatted briefly about uh, the story you posted immediately preceding um, the tribute to to Brother Gold, which was uh, it's entitled "An Endless Pursuit of Perfect Flavor." And you uh, kind of tied two experiences with restaurants in uh, the greater LA area 
to this, um, you know, uh, I, I'll let you describe it. I, I have a hard time articulating it. Um, it's basically like the involuntary, uh, involuntary memory and, and triggered, uh, by, by flavors that, right. that harken back. But let me, let me let you describe it. Yeah. So basically what I was writing about is something that has been written about for you know, decades, maybe centuries. It's the the Proustian memory. Of course, um, Marcel Proust had uh, a very vivid memory back when he was eating like a French mandolin and it made him think about his childhood. And he was a guy who kind of coined that phrase and, and coined the idea of involuntary memory um, being something that, you know, it triggers something from your childhood and it gives you a feeling of, I don't know, it's a round feeling of like completion almost. Um, and I'm constantly in pursuit of those just because, you know, my, my childhood is, I'm, I'm a very sentimental person. So um, those childhood memories. Well, you're also a, a young person, right. so you're allowed. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I describe these these involuntary memories as, you know, in the food world as perfect flavors. And I make the assertion that, you know, all of us have these perfect flavors in the back of our minds just waiting to be, you know, unlocked. Um, and I, I feel like by the end of this kind of journey I'm going on through this column, I will have revealed everything about my childhood. Um, but, you know, I hope that w through those examples that I, I give and, and through these, you know, painstakingly emotional, um, I don't know, exposés into my life that there, there's something worth connecting uh, with other people about. Yeah, well, I, I mean, just in this, this column, um, we, we conquer your experience with ketchup. Right. Um, I have, I've, I've never, I, I've liked ketchup. I like it in context. And I know that there was a spirited debate at the ringer around ketchup good, ketchup bad. Right. Um, it, ketchup's in the middle. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm I kind it, of a, I'm kind of an agnostic as well. Um, I, there was a great, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, pretty much definitive take on ketchup in how it's yeah. made and, and why it's so scientifically perfect. Um, but as I kind of talk in my, as I mentioned in my piece, you know, I actually don't like the perfect ketchup, which is Heinz, of course. Uh, Hunt's was always my thing because it was what my family always used. And the flavor right. profile kind of vibed more with the way that my dad usually cooks things. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's one of those flavors that is very much identifiable at youth. And I think that's why it has such a strong resonance for a lot of people. I, 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 let me just say it this way. I know the feeling <laughs> and I, and I liked very much the description of kind of the reverie, uh, when you tasted the chip, you weren't immediately able to, to identify. You had to talk to the proprietor of, we have noodles. That's the right. Name? Yeah. Uh, we have noodles, which is, you know, admittedly a, a very bad name for a restaurant. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they had this one appetizer that I was just, that I'm just completely addicted by. Um, it's basically a, a smoked eggplant dip in the style of Thai and Lao cooking. Um, and they serve it with crudite, but they also serve it with, uh, these elongated, uh, Japanese sweet potato chips. And they're, they yeah. were dusted with something and I couldn't tell, but I knew it from, 
you know, my college years. I knew it from someplace. And it wasn't until he swung by to check on us that I was like, yo, whatever you put on these chips, it's crack. And he laughed and he's like, you know what? It's kind, it kind of is. Like it just so happens to be the flavoring packet from a Thai noodle, like a Thai instant noodle. Um, and instantly I was like, oh, it's mama. And he's like, yeah. Mama, mama Thai instant noodles. The Tum Yum flavor is like one of my favorite things on the planet. And so uh-huh. for, him, for him to use this, it was like, oh, wow. Like we just shared an experience right now because, right. you know, back then we, we never knew each other, but, you know, parallel of each other, we had the same experience of enjoying this specific type of noodle. And it impacted us to an extent that we were able to share it, you know, years later as adults. That's amazing. Right, right. And th- that's the that's the article. I mean, that that's what was um, captivating about it. And I, I hope uh, all the hungry homies out there listening to this, uh, check it out. Speaking of checking it out, you have been uh, on the road. We've seen your food diaries from New Orleans and from Portland. Yep. Uh, do you have any any travel plan for the fall? So I am going to Chicago for a couple days for vacation, actually, um, oh, next wow. month. So I've actually hit up Twitter for recommendations. I have way more recommendations than I could possibly um, right. adhere to. But yeah, let, we'll, we'll probably end up making that into content. So be on the lookout for that. <laughs> I, I, I would hope so. I mean... <laughs> That that's it's quite a daunting challenge. Um, it doesn't Chicago in in terms of the food scene is not a chill thing. You you, you don't go do it casually, right? Yeah, there's, um, I I know for sure that I'm going to be eating a lot of various forms of beef between bread. I know that. Yes, that <laughs> and 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 pizza or deep dish or I mean, are you gonna? Yeah, I I believe I'm going to be hitting that? up uh, Pequods. That's oh great! That's, yeah, that's that's the Robert Mays number one leading contender. Mm-hmm. So if Mays recommends it, I, I think you you we're, you're in good hands. All right. Well, uh, what about coming up next on Chow Down? Um, that to be continued. Uh, to be okay, To good. be determined. You're allowed. I should say you're allowed to be coy. Uh, yeah, but I, I do believe I, I have a couple interviews lined up and I, I do want to expand this to more than just my own childhood memories. Um, so there will be a few reported pieces about the ways that certain restaurants, you know, in different cities in America kind of reflect, you know, immigrant experiences and, and different experiences than what we may be accustomed to at our, you know, standby restaurants that's great I, I look forward to it and i know all the taste buds out there are looking forward to it as well danny chow thanks for coming on house of carbs today absolutely thank you all right my thanks to danny he is always welcome here at house of carbs we're excited to see what he has going on this fall the Chicago trip especially, uh, I'm already hungry thinking about it. Before we get to food news, quick word from our good friends at Diet Coke. Yo, hungry homies, 
We've been talking about Diet Coke because they are shaking things up. Bold new look, four new delicious flavors. Always you can get the OG, the original Diet Coke, still right there with the same great taste, but they have added a four delicious new flavors that I highly recommend. Feisty cherry, twisted mango, zesty blood orange, and ginger lime. These are bold flavors, and you're not going to be able to pick a favorite. I've been doing my own little taste test and pairings. I've been talking about the fried chicken sandwich along with the delicious ginger lime. Let me tell you something that you're not going to be expecting. Spaghetti and meatballs and feisty cherry. Yes, the sweet, the sour, the bold acidity of uh, of the tomato sauce along with the feisty cherry. The nice cooling effect of that. Give that a run, my hungry homies. Whether you are a longtime fan or just want to try something new, give Diet Coke a taste. You'll see what we're talking about. Diet Coke, because I can. Today's show also brought to you by our good pals at Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you are going to love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you are getting a sweet deal at a cool, top-rated hotel. Hotel Tonight is showing you the best deals at hotels that you actually want to stay at, so you're not sitting there scrolling through these endless lists of choices. And even though their name is Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can book in advance, which makes them perfect for planners and procrastinators. I like Hotel Tonight is perfect for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycation, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. So easy to use. You can book hotels in 10 seconds. That's three taps and a swipe. If you're a phone kind of person, that's where you get it. You get on the phone. It's three taps and a swipe. There's even a, a reward program, the HT Perks program. The more you book, the better the deals get. I used the hotel tonight for a trip to New York. I wasn't sure where I was going to stay. I had it last week. This was a business trip. Last minute. Hotel Tonight was my way, and I got a great place right in the Times Square area. I know you might not think the Times Square in the middle of the summer is a good idea, but it worked out perfect for me, and I had some delicious food as a result. Thank you, Hotel Tonight. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals in incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. All right, my culinary comrades, as we do here on House of Carbs, it is now time for Food News. Yo, Juliet. Hello. Juliet, I have an important question for you. I'm so ready. Can't wait. Are you are you standing or sitting? I'm sitting. How have the first four hours, five hours of the 100 best episodes, television episodes... <laughs> Of the century, have I mean, what an undertaking! And you, you have been part the mastermind behind this. You, you wrote the sort of defining column that was published today. Are you, are you upright? Are you alive? <laughs> um, I did wake up with a major headache. That's that's a fact. Uh, it's great. It's going really well. People are super nice. Obviously, a lot of people disagree with some choices and where some things land, including Bill Simmons, who I'm looking forward to weighing in. I think he will in the not so distant future. Um, but it 
it's going really well. I mean, I love television and I think there's so much of it now that the joy of watching TV sometimes is lost because like there's just no pun intended. There's so much uh, to conquer. Like there's just so many programs and and you have all of the 100 shows that we mentioned in the list because they're all available streaming basically. And so I think it's really overwhelming, but it was so much fun working with the Ringer staff. It was really collaborative. Like we, we made the list from... Um, some nominations from like the entire staff and we slaved over it. We've really been talking about it for months and months. And so I, I, it's, that's really cheesy, but I like hate going to lunch with my coworkers. Like I just want to be left alone, but I love, <laughs> I love working on projects with them. I really do. It's so gratifying. Okay. So it's, it's been good. Yeah. I also, I fucking love lost. Like it in, in spoiler alert, number one episode is the constant. And that's from season four. It's when Penny and Desmond talk to each other on the phone. It's, it's really beautiful. Uh, and also like a thrilling sci-fi episode. And it's just a great piece of TV. And this whole exercise has reminded me how much I love television and also how much my teenage self loved television. There was a lot of like, oh my God, when I was 19, this was so important to me. Or when I was 16, I was obsessed with Dawson's Creek, like stuff like that. So it's been really fun. Thank you for asking. In fact, it's not a, not a point of contention. It's also really hard to make custom websites, which we did for this. And, um, I worked with a designer and developer named Mike and Lindsay. They're a great, or Lindsay's a designer, Mike's a developer, and they are so awesome. We couldn't do without them. This is a lot, their vision, the, the actual execution of the list. And the ringer just loves pop culture and we love to celebrate television so yeah i was blown away by it i gave a little uh, intro at the outset of today's episode i encouraged folks to just sort of try it in little bites and, and little bits and little pieces because it's too too big of an undertaking to yeah. sit and try and read all the way through and i personally i'm the kind of person who's like uh i'm i'm triggered of a, a memory of of some episode or a memory of some character or a real life human being um, comes up because of this, you know, one particular show, this one particular treatment, and then I, now I'm in a rabbit hole. I mean, I I don't want to tell you how much time I spent on the Laguna Beach um, deep dive <laughs> today, but there was a Laguna Beach deep dive in my life today. It's so good. Related to that, have you watched the Kristen Cavallari show starring Jay Cutler? Of course. Oh I have. my God, Jay <laughs> Cutler. Human being, do you think I am? Oh He's my incredible. God, Jay Cutler's amazing. He seems like the worst husband in the world, but man, is he a great reality TV character. <laughs> he 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 is. I my my uh, enthusiasm and respect for him has grown in ways I ima- I I never imagined <laughs> possible. I just I would like to have a camera on Jay Cutler at all times. <laughs> That, I mean, I think that's where, where this this franchise is headed. Who cares about the Cavallari? I know. Just give me Cutler. Amazing. I'm just worried. Cutler's life. I'm, I'm just worried that he will like watch part of the show and change. Although, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like Jay Cutler changes for anyone. <laughs> I don't think so. That's not the impression I get. It's pretty amazing. I It's just incredible, incredible watch. I highly recommend it. <laughs> So that's T. We we basically started off food news today with TV news, but yeah. it was very uh, appropriate. Now here's we can we can segue back to food news in, in a second. How do what did you how did you eat? What did you eat in the preparation of this whole thing? I mean, this is let's make it relevant to to the House of Carbs here. Sure. Sunday night we were having some tech issues, and I was I was worried about the this 
the health of the project. It, making a, a new website is very hard. It's just so much harder than it should be. You'd think we'd have this figured out by now. So I had dinner with a couple of close friends and we ordered in from Pine and Crane, which is my local Taiwanese street food restaurant. And it is mm. so good. I had these shrimp wontons that come like in the spicy sauce. They're so oh. incredible. Scallion pancake, which is a staple of my childhood growing up on New York Chinese food. Scallion pancakes, one of my favorite foods. Hard to find out here. It's not really a big part of California Chinese food unless it's like authentic. Like we got, like I got from Pine and Crane. So we had that. And then there's also a, a beef roll, which is like, I don't even, if you know what a beef roll is, you know what a beef roll is. And man, is it good from there. And Pine and Crane is like one of the reasons to live in Silver Lake. It's so delicious. Okay, good. I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we had, uh, they, they deserve all that um, love that you just heaped upon them. Have you heard of this it? This guy in Pancake, it feels like, I mean, that's a, is it just an East Coast thing or is it just an authentic Chinese thing? Because I, I, I've I never know. had Chinese food and not had this guy in Pancake. I don't know if it's East Coast or actually Chinese, but Pine and Crane is like, is... I think really like as far as I know, like pretty true to Taiwanese food. So I'm not sure. I should yeah. I should research. And I want to say I'm I'm using uh, Chinese. I don't mean uh, to disparage. I don't mean to be overly generic about it. Yeah, um, of course. A lot of different uh, Asian cuisines have a version of the scallion pancake. I love them all equally. Yeah. Uh, and I include them with every meal that I have. The, the Korean version with that has the egg and the oh, seafood. Oh, the Korean one's so they, good. With a Korean barbecue is just magnificent and, and so on and so forth. Anyway, um, are there stories this week? There are stories. There's some good ones. I'm, I'm pumped to get into it. The first one comes to us from the local news in Tucson, NBC's local affiliate KVOA. And the headline on this story is really good. It is, former waitress pays back money she stole from a restaurant. <laughs> oh, I think I've also been to this restaurant because my brother used to live in Tucson. Here we go. A waitress is giving back money she stole from the 90s. In a handwritten note, the waitress deals... From deep- the 90s? The 90s. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This, you, you bury the lead. It isn't just that she paid back money that she stole. This isn't a youth. This isn't a teenager that stole money and then no. had a crisis of conscience that I want to be a better person. This woman is, is old. Well... She was a student when she worked there. She went to the University of Arizona. And so everything you just said kind of applies because it was when she was younger. (laughs) It's just maybe taken her a while to repay her debts. The crisis of conscience took a little while. She wrote them a handwritten note explaining to the Carlotta family who own the El Charo restaurants in Tucson. I think I've been there. I'm going to have to check with my brother. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) she was a waitress and she said that she had never stolen before and she hasn't since. But this is in her note, quote, thankfully, I was a terrible waitress and you all fired me before it could amount to more than a few hundred dollars total. It's been 20 years, but I still carry great remorse. I'm very sorry that I stole from you. Please accept my apology, plus this money as repayment, plus 20 years of interest. May God forever bless you and your family. A thankful former employee. And then, included with the note, <laughs> was a $1,000 uh, cash gift to the Carlotta family. <laughs> so That's there's, pretty sorry, badass. To the, for, the Flores family. I, I mean, uh, the the the... Fact that she got fired with, without you know making it very far along the way, uh, and yet in in that short time, wherever whatever she had going on in her life, she was uh, you know supplementing her income. She must have known that she was going to get fired. She must have known she was a bad waitress. Yeah, she must have. I just feel like this woman's probably been through a lot in the last twenty years. It's just such a wild story, and to carry that kind of shame. 
I feel sorry for her, kind of. She had to live with this for 20 years. Hopefully she feels like she's made up her debt and she can move on. <laughs> there, There is uh, two great life lessons in there. It's never too late to get right with karma. And there's, it's always possible to right or wrong. It's always possible. It's true. But, you know, and also like, even if this family like didn't care, they gotten over it, wasn't illegal, like who cares? Everyone appreciates that thought. There's really no reason to not go back and be like, hey, I messed up and I'm really sorry. Who doesn't appreciate that? Making amends. That's right. Exactly. Exactly right. All right. That's okay, good good start. Good fu- start. <laughs> funny and emotional, just like a great episode of TV. Well, I'm glad that, that El Charo still exists. Me too, for her sake at least. I mean, it's still in business. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move it right along here. This is a story that we follow continuously, and we'll have a follow-up, I can tell you. But let me just say, the Lay's uh, flavor testing is back. It's the te- the contest formerly known as Lay's Do Us a Flavor. I think they've dropped that. Uh, the- Do Us a Flavor? Yes. Yeah, so They're not you- doing that? <laughs> they-, they are not doing it. These are just limited edition potato chip flares- flavors. Okay. There's eight new flavors, and it's not the Do Us a Flavor official contest because the chips will only be available in the regions inspired them. And that's because eight the all eight of these are regional regionally driven. They're- the flavors are Cajun Spice from the Central Gulf, Chili Con Queso, okay from Texas, Oklahoma, Mountain States, and Southern California. That's a really wide swath. We're going to have to come back to that in a minute. <laughs> Chesapeake Bay. The geography's Bay. a little ambitious. Yes. It's like where Mexican people live. I don't understand. Um, Chesapeake Bay Crab Spice from the Mid-Atlantic. Giordano's Deep Dish Pizza from the Heartland and Mid-America. I take issue with that as well. Fried Pickles with Ranch, also in the Midwest. New England Lobster Roll for the Northeast. Pimento Cheese for the Southeast. And Thai Sweet Chili for the Pacific Northwest. So, House, okay. what makes you the most angry from this list? Well, anger isn't, isn't necessarily, I'm, I'm, I'm bemused, I'm amused, and I'm skeptical. Those are, that's my first reaction. Okay. Those, 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 those three sentiments. Uh, because in the first place, chili con queso, um, he, here's the thing, here's my overarching reaction to all of this. How are you, Lay's? going to distinguish yourself from some perfectly already uh, outstanding entrants into many of these fields. So, for instance, chili con queso. Yes. Well, there have been a handful of chip proprietors out there that have been doing variations on that flavor profile for quite a while. And let me call to mind one right, right off the bat called Doritos. I mean, I'm pretty sure Doritos get that chili con queso vibe uh, in in a way that that really occupies the space. I'm also highly skeptical as a native Marylander uh, born and and raised of the Chesapeake Bay crab spice. Utz has been making a crab chip here and then it's been available in the DMV my entire life. I know Mallory Rubin loves her and Utz crab potato chip and, and I any any kind of Johnny come lately with Lay's here it, it better don't don't be half stepping with the crab chip Lay's that, I, those are my two first reactions people are gonna come angry if they do you think? if they do I mean I just feel like as you said the crab flavor and crab spice it's not even just it's like all spice it's not even just like crab it's, it's all like, it's old bay I mean old it's bay. old bay on chips yeah. we know how to do that people they, been doing it we know, know what that tastes like it's not really new so if it's not good people are going to be angry I just that's it 
I just think this also the chili con queso, Texas, Oklahoma, Mountain States, and Southern California, just like, come on. So, the, so Mountain it, States. It's that's a little just, insulting, right? It's insulting. Mountain States seems kind of random. And, you know, it's like, is this a comment on immigration? Like, if it is, let's talk more about it more concretely. Like, where people from South, from Latin America go and from Mexico? Like, what is this? I, I just find that kind of offensive. I feel like the duos of flavor was so successful. They're trying to extend this idea. And it's not a good idea to, to do that. It worked in a vacuum. It, and this is, like you're, that. you're pointing out something. This is very fraught exercise. I yeah. mean, I'm interested in... When they, uh, you know, when we start to see some of the backlash that it, that we're absolutely going to see, um, and some of the reaction, what they have to say about how they selected the regions and how the flavor profiles were assembled, I mean, a pimento cheese potato chip is going to be delicious. I think they'll do do that fine. I don't know what the hell's going to uh, be on the New England lobster roll chip. Um, and also, I, I don't, I, I don't. Do you like do you like shrimp flavored chips or stuff like that? Not, not really. Not, not. I mean, only in a very specific way with a very specific, you know, kind of a Asian dish, like a shrimp chip, that that is an accompaniment, you know, to something like a he, like a le, la, lemongrass and and uh, you know, um, like Penang kind of uh, chicken sure. uh, dish kind of deal, like that kind of vibe, and then like a shrimp chip that that gives you a little bit of a crunch to go along with it. That's that's fine, but I'm not. I don't buy a bag of shrimp chips to plop down and and catch up on uh, you know last week's succession um, <laughs> with with that kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Yes, I certainly do. <laughs> yeah. I just think this is it can end well. Also, the duo's flavor is fun because like you, there's more of a reason to try them all because you can vote. You can let them well, know the stories. The the, the yes, the people, I love the like, stories. You know, that, yeah, that's what it's it's all about. The 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 folks that won last year was like you know college kids uh, who were who invented this I, I I'm I'm sure I'm not getting all the details correct but they was a, there was a very compelling story that I enjoyed to go along with the delicious chip they made I completely agree with you they yeah you know, they should rethink this a little bit but you know good luck I guess I'll, I'll, I'm pimento cheese I'm most interested I'm gonna give that one a chance they gonna they they maybe they can win us over we'll see who knows. <laughs> Well, well, we're open-minded. We're open. We're open-tongued on it. Open-flavored. Indeed. So let's send us some lace. Maybe we'll try them. Or if not, yeah. we'll just buy them. You know, either way, it's going to happen. All right. Either way, we're going to eat them. I love pimento cheese. I hope that's good. Who doesn't love pimento cheese? Um, last story for you. Chick-fil-A. Not a usual Chick-fil-A story. This is a business story because okay. the fast food chain announced that it will test a meal kit service from late August through mid-November. The story comes to us from CNN Money. Customers can pick up the kit at 150 participating locations in Atlanta. The meals include chicken flatbread, crispy Dijon chicken, chicken parmesan, chicken enchiladas, and pan-roasted chicken. So much chicken! Chick-fil-A says the meal should take less than 30 minutes to prepare. And there's a there's a quote from a restaurant analyst named R.J. Hotovi. Restaurant chains are looking for creative ways to reach consumers outside of their restaurants. Meal kits are an interesting solution. CNN goes on to add, a meal kit could help Chick-fil-A test possible new menu items. It could also allow Chick-fil-A to let customers handle more complicated meals rather than mass producing them in their restaurants. The company is hoping that customers will pick up the meal kit while they're already there. So it's kind of like a dual sale. And Chick-fil-A is asking customers who don't live in Atlanta but are interested in trying the meal kit to reach out. Uh, It's unlikely that Chick-fil-A will roll the kits out nationally, but who knows? Uh... I will tell you, I clicked this story open and I'm looking at it 
and it looks like it's just the chicken fillet, the Chick Fil A um, chicken breast pulled out of the bun and then thrown down on a plate uh, with some other ingredients. Um, and I wonder if if that's the essence of this, where you just take the chicken breast out of the bun and then you know. Uh, you get a little flavor packet of uh, honey Dijon or whatever, or you get uh, the the chicken parm comes with a little baggie of cheese and some tomato sauce. I'm I'm not sure that I want whatever it is that Chick Fil A has assembled. If that's the way this is going, and I'm not sure if I'm right or not, but this I'm just looking at the pictures. I can go buy couple Chick-fil-A sandwiches, take those breasts out myself and make my own chick, uh, chicken parm with my own sauce made from scratch, tomato paste, some beautiful uh, buffalo mozzarella, a little, a little garlic sliced up, and then do it, do it myself that way. I'm not sure about this one, I have I, to tell you. I agree with you. Also, it's like with CPK. I like CPK a lot when I go to CPK. I don't really care about CCBK from the freezer case. Like, I'm not against it. It's a frozen pizza. It's good. I think DiGiorno's better. But this is kind of the same thing. Like, I like Chick-fil-A because it's part of, the, part of the experience and part of it is going there and the way they prepare it. Like, if I wanted to know how to prepare Chick-fil-A-style food on my own, I probably wouldn't rely on them to do it because they, they are incentivized to make it, like, cost-effective and quick and, and like, in kind of, like, quote-unquote easy and so it's just kind of like impossible to replicate Chick-fil-A at home without like being a chef, essentially. And it just seems like this is like a fault, a faulty plan. This everything you just said so much better than than I, I, I could have said it. I mean, that that's exactly what's at the heart of my skepticism and uh, why I, I I'll try it if it's an option. I mean, I'm I'm again, we're open minded here at the House of Carbs. We're open. We're, we're, we're willing to try any and all flavors that come on but the, the it's also like almost 16 bucks and serves two people well yeah. guess what for 16 bucks at chick-fil-a i can have a pretty great meal i mean i can have my house special i can have my strips i can have my nuggets i can have my shake i can have a sandwich i mean that that's that's what why why would i stray if i go to the trouble of going to chick-fil-a i just want chick-fil-a i know if i'm there just give, give me the actual meal can't have anything that's going to disappoint me. I'm not going to like, I don't know whether or not after I assemble my beautiful house special, I, I would also pick up a meal kit to take home with me for later in the week. I, I'm, I'm with you, man. Okay. 100%. We, we, yeah. But if, if somebody wants to send us one and we're going to have us try it. Okay. <laughs> we'll try it. Yeah. I'm open. Why yeah, not? We'll try we're it. open-minded people, sure. like you said. That's it. <laughs> Well, House, that's all I've got for you this week. Check out our TV package. It. Yeah, that's what I want the people to do while eating. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a long yeah. activity, so bring some food to your computer or just sit with your phone. Good mobile experience as well. I I, I, I haven't cracked it open on my phone yet. Uh, maybe I'm going to go get some delicious Utz chips and sit down and Utz crab chips and uh, dive into this thing on, on my phone <laughs> and enjoy the Utz crab chips. Perfect. Have a great time, House. <laughs> Thanks, Juliet. Talk to you Talk later. Talk to you next week. Bye. Hungry homies, taste buds, culinary comrades, we have done it. My famished friends, thanks for listening. Hit us up on the Instagram at the House of Carbs. We're still posting lots of great summer grilling 
photos. And if you if you're drinking something particularly delicious after our show with Amy McDonald a couple weeks ago, we'd love to see what you're drinking. Until next week, my friends. Let's stay hungry out there. <laughs>